Hey everyone, welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I want to welcome you to the new New Media slash Geek News Central Studio. We've actually got the uh, the Audimute folks came through with the new uh, visual boards. And um, for those of you that are haven't seen the new studio live uh, from the Geek News Central podcast, I just want to take you guys... Before we get too deep into the show, those of you that are watching versus listening, we'll try to do a an audio tour here for those of you that are obviously listening. But so three camera setup, just like the old studio was, and uh, the camera positions aren't completely locked in. So uh, far left camera, middle camera, and then a view where you can't see the monitors anymore. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, we can still bring in our guests, Dr. Pamela Gray and Mr. Rob Greenlee. Hello. And uh, so, or afternoon. I, and, you know, in this part of the studio build was a collaboration with the Audimute team and their designers, their fabulous designers. And uh, many of you saw the transformation of this dentist's office into an actual studio. But I wanted to show you all, before we got too deep into things today, what the panels are that are on the walls. This is out of the demo room. And this is actually the material that's in the, and actually similar material on the walls in the back and in front of me. So, so you say those are sound panels? These are sound panels. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, um, uh, I've got a couple of, this here looks like, um, I'll show you these. This is a uh, black. It kind of almost looks like rock a little bit, but I've got this in black, gray, and, and green. And you've seen those pictures. I'll show you another one before we go on and talk about podcasting. But here's the other, here's the color of green that's on the backside that you guys can't see. This is what I see in front of me. Mm -hmm. But... Um, we took this studio from echoey to absolutely silence. Matter of fact, I'm to the point where I can probably remove the compressor that's in the in the studio. And even though the TriCaster box is literally four feet from me, it's got the hush box with the exhaust going off that way. Um, it's absolutely fabulous. Um, the sound in here is incredible. And of course, with the ceiling tile and the carpet, it just it's uh it's amazing so this is a complete solution and for those of you that are podcasting in rooms like i was a 10 by 12 room before a bedroom or somewhere in your home and maybe you don't want to have stuff hanging on the or, or attached to the walls like that they've got all kinds of solutions mm -hmm. and this was a co collaboration between really this show geek new central and and the team at audimute so if you want to have a discussion with that team, um, send me an email. They're putting up a landing page for us, but it's not ready yet. But um, how, how are the thermals of that? I, I know one of the problems that I've run into is I live in a historic house. Sure. So anything I do screws up the thermodynamics of the house. And I would die of heat stroke right. in the summer if I did what you've done. They've got, <laughs> they've got, now these are all attached right to the drywall. Uh -huh. So it, it really doesn't change. And of course, most in your home family, you wouldn't want these attached to your wall, you know, because it's aesthetically they, they for a take home. down the wall because we have horse hair plaster. Okay. So what they do have is they've got a hanging solution and um, you can take it up and take it down. 
So if you're in a real echoey room and you just want to have kind of like a drape almost, better, that's kind of the way I would describe it. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. could just put it up and take it down. It's really, really simple. It's just got some hooks on it and, and they have a little frame that they put them on. So that's a solution from them as well. And matter of fact, one of my team members from Raw Voice had used some of their hanging stuff before and he was very familiar with the product already. And so again, it's, 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 you know, they have multiples of options, especially a lot of podcasters are in homes. But I think the coolest thing is that signboard right there. That's, mm-hmm. that's an actual audio panel. It, That's cool. And they print that. So you can actually use your your show album art, have two or three of those if you're in a bedroom, you could actually have those stuck to the wall in key positions. And it again, it's you know, every little bit helps. Yeah. But um right. Well Todd, plus plus as far as I know, you didn't put these panels on, on every square inch of no, 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 no. They're no. in strategic locations that will buffer the sound. Right. So, so it, it, it is almost like putting artwork on your wall. It is uh, true. Is, is what it looks like. And, you know, back in my early studio, when I started getting into this business of doing um, audio podcasts, I, I just hung shipping blankets on the walls. Right. Um, if you want to go low cost, that's a, that's a great way to do it. Um, so right, right here to my right is just drywall. It's normal painted drywall. And so they, they kind of did an encapsulation in this because we, we came up with an actual design. So some of it is even a little aesthetic, you know, there's probably a little extra in here that we didn't need, but from an aesthetic standpoint, I wanted a certain look and, um, Aya from, uh, that's a, a team that works with, uh, she has a company and they actually did a mock-up. So if you notice these green panels back here behind me, mm-hmm. It's it's a te- it goes from dark green to light green at the bottom you can probably barely see it but let me move over to see if I can move over far enough or actually let me do the other camera you can see the color shift yeah so that was by design they printed those so the thing that's cool about this whole setup if I get bored all I got to do is order a couple of new panels and they pop right out they're easy they they two screws hold each panel in. And and pull them out, put two ones in, and we're we've really could have you know reconfigured to give the studio a whole new look. So that's hey Todd. Is that a zoom behind you up there? It is, Rob. That's 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 the memorial. <laughs> the memorial. Yeah, there's a zoom. There's a zoom media player up there that Rob was able to to eyeball. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. There's one, one up of the there. Original um, brown zoom. That's right. There. <laughs> well anyway I, I've talked enough about the studio love to hear everyone's comments on the aesthetics but welcome back to the live studio and we have a absolute matter of fact we, we did a show with Pamela at Dragon Con <laughs> right we did yeah. at 10 o'clock at night with an amazingly big audience <laughs> and no, uh, not, not so true not we so true wish that were true yeah and uh we uh, actually, I'm not disappointed that we lost the audio on that because I was going to have to do heavy editing to keep it within our show mantra. <laughs> the audio was really blown out too. We couldn't recover it. 
But uh, anyway, um, there were things discussed on that program that <clears throat> have never been discussed on. This no, program. my eyeballs got big because I was just like, how am I going to edit that? You know, so I'm just going to have to delete like that whole two minutes of, of dialogue. And I don't like doing that. But anyway, so well, a nice job of, of transitioning him <laughs> off of that. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, here we are. Uh, Podcast Hall of Fame member, Dr. Pamela Gray. Gay. My name's Pamela Gay. I I'm sorry, Gay. Oh my God! God. Why did I do that? It's it's you were you were so determined to keep this PG that you changed my name. That's right. The first. How, how you know? And, and I don't know why I'm thinking Gray instead of Gay. Jeez. You're channeling what I wished it was the entire first twenty some odd years of my life. Really? Oh. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we should probably. Yeah. Um, tell the audience, uh, you know, who she is, what she does, all that kind of stuff. Well, she's, yeah. So, so Pamela, when did you start the astronomy cast podcast? Was it 2005, six, something like that? So, so astronomy cast is actually my second podcast. It started, uh-huh. uh, Labor Day weekend back in 2006. And prior to that, Thanks. I'd been working on Slacker astronomy, which was the first ever science and technology podcast. Uh, Adam Curry had to create the category just for us yeah wow okay and you also work for um the uh, planetary science institute as a as a senior scientist for them and do a lot of education and stuff so you're all in on the astronomy stuff and it's uh, i'm a big astronomy fan myself i I actually in the the early days of my going to college i wanted to become an astronomer myself so i can totally um understand to some degree your passion so um but certainly you've got a deeper knowledge than just about anybody else i've ever talked to about uh, this subject (laughs) you know it's i I read about astronomy news and i'm like i have no idea no idea half of what they're talking about like something over on space.com or one of the sites that cover stuff and i'm just i'm wowed but what they talk about but i'm like please 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 start using words (laughs) Uh, well, hopefully, if you ever listen to any of our content over uh, with CosmoQuest, where we have the Astronomy Cast podcast, and we just launched the Daily Space, which is an astronomy news show, um, hopefully, we bring everything down to a level that absolutely anyone can understand, but with the understanding that we're talking to really smart people who just don't know the lingo of astronomy. So, our goal is to never talk down, but to always translates to normal human English. Right. right. That can be a challenge at times because you, you do have to yeah. use certain terms that generally people don't know what they are. So I, I totally get it. Yeah. And, and I hate to say it, but I probably make myself look like an idiot sometimes because I'll just say, just go read it yourself. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's don't fine. bother me with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you're also an inductee into the uh, podcast Hall of Fame as well as as I would say well deserved. Um, so you know let's let's jump in and talk about kind of like you know kind of how you got started and what what really inspired you to get involved in podcasting at such an early time in the medium because you you're very unique because back in those days there were not very many women involved in podcasting. No, no, there there really weren't, and I especially in the science and technology heavy related fields. Uh, Initially it was me and Swoopy who was 
doing uh, um, skepticality. So then we saw uh, Dr. Rachie and several others come in with Skeptic Zone. So it was really out of skeptics that you saw women joining. But back in those very first days, uh, well, for me, one of my friends, Adam, uh, not Adam, I'm misnaming him. One of my friends, uh, Aaron Price, came up to me at a conference that we had both just finished traveling from Boston Mm -hmm. to, I think it was Seattle. And... He's like, well, I was reading Parade Magazine, and I read about this priest who's using this new technology podcasting to spread the word of God, and maybe we can use this to spread the good word of astronomy. And mm-hmm. and we all know who that particular priest just happened to be, another one of our Hall of Fame inductees. And we got to talking, and um, we pulled over another one of our our friends from the American Association of Variable Star Observers who happens to have a radio, film, and television degree. And we're like, can you help? And we started this crazy every Friday news show, highly scripted, extraordinarily silly. (laughs) And our goal was to be the daily space of astronomy. And we initially was like, okay, if we can get 500 listeners in the first six months, we'll be a success. But Adam Curry gave us a listen and gave us a shout out on his show. And we mm-hmm. went to that 5,000 mark in just a few, uh, not just that 500 mark, but a 5,000 mark in just oh. a few months. And it's all gone on from there. Um, we launched that show February 14th, 2005. By the time we got to August of 2006, our lives have changed. had changed. We were no longer in a position to do completely crazy content we were, where we were doing things like parodies of Monday Night Football, where instead it was Monday Night Astronomy brought to you by Gucci Pocket Protectors. <laughs> our employers weren't necessarily as thrilled to have us doing content with like content like that. And... That's where we broke into different directions. Slacker Astronomy went to Michael Kopelman. Um, I started doing Astronomy Cast with Fraser Kane, and we've been doing it ever since. So how did you make your, your podcast feed um, back in those days? Did you work with uh, Lipson, or did you create your own through your own platform, or, or how did that so- happen? With Slacker Astronomy, I can't remember. It's just too long ago. I do remember Battlestar Galactica was involved because I worked on it every Friday night while watching Battlestar Galactica. So those two things are forever entwined in my mind. But with Astronomy Cast, we've been with Lipson since day zero. And I suspect we were with you for Slacker Astronomy. I just can't remember 2005 anymore. Uh and Lipson, it, it's where all of our shows have been. We have our 365 Days of Astronomy collaboration is there we just launched our daily space podcast there um and we've been using wordpress since back before anyone had heard of wordpress so i feel like i've kind of grown up with all these different interfaces and got to see all the changes that have been made as as our communities have changed and now we're using the the powerpress uh app in wordpress to bring in our feed and all these technologies have just grown up around us and been there to walk us through the transitions i mean who could have imagined back in 2005 that i'd be shouting at my room hey device of your choice play podcast of your choice and suddenly the voices of all my online favorite friends would be coming from my speakers 
Yeah, it's it's been a phenomenal journey for for me as well to see this medium kind of kind of grow up and you know I I started hosting my own RSS feed when I started so it was it was quite a different time than we have today that's for sure you know it's Todd, did you want to you know it, no it's just nice that we are past having to be total neat uh, geeks and nerds to do podcasts you know you can just you know, I was I was out at Mid Atlantic Podcast Conference, which changed its name during the sh- during the event to Independent Podcast Conference. I and, was wondering about that, Todd, because I kept <clears> seeing <throat> things posted about that. Yeah, so you know, and and I was I sat in the back, and I I was the last one to speak at the event, and I talked about the power of RSS and something. It's a, a, a matter of fact, it's a new. Um, it's a new deck that I'm going to present at Outliers, a new keynote. And the um, what I really sat back and heard from these content creators is that we've gotten to a point and that even people that are just relatively new within a couple of years are really using some incredibly advanced techniques to build their audiences and unique ways and using you know Instagram, LinkedIn, all the different social media spaces to kind of help them, you know, to, to move their show along. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if we think of, if we go all the way back to those early days, all we really had was our websites. Cause you know, none of this stuff that we have today's exist. And right. I just, all I, the social platforms were not around. Yeah. And I, and I, and even the things that they were talking about from a non-social media standpoint, just things people are doing today to help grow their shows really tells me that if I, if I'd have had some of this information back in 04, it's yeah. like, wow, where could we really have been? You know, some of these concepts and ideas. And, uh, so the marketing piece has come through. It's, it's incredible what's, what's possible today. So, you know, I think it's an exciting time for podcasting because there's really no excuse if we could build it with just our websites. Well, uh, and it wasn't even that it was just our websites it was the day when people really hadn't figured out how to do grassroots marketing. The best we could do was uh, live journal was still a thing back in 2005, mm-hmm. uh, not yet owned by a Russian company. Uh, we predated <sighs> MySpace. Facebook was Columbia, MIT, Harvard only pretty much when podcasts started. All these technologies where people are like, you've got to be doing even search engine optimization. SEO was not a key phrase that everyone and their sister was relying on back at that point. So we were all going through and printing physical cards and little tiny buttons. I, I remember my very first Dragon Con. The new hip thing to do was to get these little half-inch buttons and walk around sticking them onto people in hopes that every little button you stuck on someone would maybe turn into at least one download. And mm-hmm. we were investing our money, our hearts, our souls, and our blood on those stupid buttons trying to get word out. And it's so much easier nowadays where we do have all of these amazing platforms. And I wonder though, if because it's so much easier, you don't have to be as hungry to do it. And this is where so many Mm -hmm. people are like, Oh, it's just another podcast. And you have to stick around a while before people will be like, Oh, they're actually going to stick around a while and start becoming one Mm -hmm. of your regular listeners. 
And I think that is starting to slowly resonate and people are finally starting to change the message that just creating 10 episodes and then publishing those and coming online is, is not what you need to do. There has to be a, a much longer strategy and everything I heard, you know, usually I cringe when I'm setting in sessions and I hear someone say something and I, you know, just kind of like a stab to the heart to me because I'm kind of like, Oh, please don't say that, you know, to these new podcasters. But I don't think I cringed once during, uh, mid Atlantic. I was that they had a great lineup of, of speakers. Now that there was some standups where they do like these eight minute delios that I talked to, uh, Joe Pardo about that. I hope he tweaks a little bit in an ongoing year, but even Dragon Con, um, where there was a lot of focus on people using Twitch and these other live streaming platforms, which we're up on right now as well. Um, I think that people have to understand that there's only so many hours in a day people can view, and then the rest of the folks are being have time to consume. Um, there's this there's this myth out there that. Um, live streaming is the end to be all right now between I'm just counted it up between the five or six different locations we're streaming at. We got about 40 people watching a live stream. So, you know, that is, you know, we've, but we've got about 8,000 people that are subscribed to the show. So yeah, we love the interaction that's happening here, but the 8,000 people that are listening probably could care less about the color color gradient of the studio screen and behind me. <laughs> and and this is where we have to remember that it's not a one size fits all technological solution. Different kinds of content, different ways of communicating, each are best suited for something different. What works best for Twitch may not will not absolutely will not work best for YouTube. What works best for the podcast format won't work best for the video. And as we're putting our shows together, we take different shortcuts so that we're optimized for one platform and good enough for everything else. And the trick is getting the new people who are coming online not to fall prey to, well, the, the popularity in the media of one thing over another. Currently, if, if you were to look at who's talking about what, Twitch is the next big up-and-coming thing, but on Twitch, unless you're one of the rare partners, you're doing really good to have 40 to 60 people watching your stream at once, Mm -hmm. and your content, because Twitch is optimized to long form, it's the place where you go to spend four hours playing a video game, six hours crocheting an octopus, whatever the reason you're there you're there to do something that takes a long period of time to complete and no one's going to watch that on YouTube where they get to see you talking to somebody else's chat with with YouTube we're being told you're best off being just 3 minutes long those yeah. two don't match and then of course for podcasting the sweet spot is the length of someone's drive the length of someone's exercise routine that 15 to 30 minute window of time. And so yet again, you want to optimize for something completely different. And the production qualities matter in different ways for each of these different things. So we have to interview someone to be able to tell them what is the best technology for you. Tom Webster contends that the younger generation, and you know, I think 
before I say this, I've always said I don't care where people listen or watch the content long as they do. I don't care if they catch it on SoundCloud or, I mean, not SoundCloud, on Spotify or, or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or, you know, wherever they listen to the show or watch the show. I'm happy with that. But Tom Webster contends that the 18 to 25 grouping, the younger people are coming in, are no longer subscribing and they're just catching it on demand, kind of like you would when something updates in your YouTube channel. And uh, is it because we as podcasters are not training our audiences to go to newmediashow.com and click subscribe. See how I just did that. Um, you know, is, is that what we're, is that what we're missing? Is that, you know, I even heard someone say a couple of days ago, I'll go to Apple podcast and, and someone from the audience booed at her because they said, what about me? I'm an Android user and kind of put it right back in the presenter's face. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I think that, um, you know, is it because we're not teaching our audience to go subscribe anymore? Well, Todd, well, I, I think, the, think it's the word subscribe means something number uh, of more locations. than it has in the past. Yeah, sorry. Well, I think we're talking over each other. Yeah, you are. So let let Pamela go first. <laughs> yeah, go <ahead>. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I think it's the diversification of the number of platforms where you can get a podcast. Right. It it used to be super easy to to say, hey, go subscribe to me at and say your RSS feed or say, hey, go subscribe to me on iTunes because iTunes was one of like four podcast directories out there and it was the number one one out there. Now it's like you can get our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Ask Alexa. I, all these, how do you list that all out at the end of, of your feed? So I uh, added to that, people are adding podcasts to their favorite content on Spotify, and that just fundamentally acts a little bit differently. So we do need to get better at educating our audiences. And also, we need to recognize that there's no one way that will suit everyone's needs. And we have to acknowledge that because there's always going to be someone annoyed because I'm using an Apple and Rob's using a PC. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm starting to hear more people just mention on their shows that, you know, my show's available in, in your favorite podcast listening app or platform or whatever, and just keeping it really simple because we, we have kind of reached a point where, um, the, the distribution of podcasts is pretty much in all of the current audio listening platforms. So I think it is in a lot of ways, fairly safe to say, um, that, you know, your podcast will if you've submitted to all the platforms. And I think that gets back to kind of a much bigger uh, responsibility that the podcast hosting platforms have. And I think we're, we're definitely taking that responsibility on is making sure that it's easy for podcasters to get their shows into all those listening platforms. And I know that, you know, I know we spend a lot of time on that and I know Todd, you do too, of making it as easy as possible to get into those platforms and we've been pressuring these platforms for years now to make it easier to, to, to submit your podcast over to these platforms and get it in the catalog. Cause I believe it's been, it's been too difficult. It's been, there's been too many hurdles that podcasters have had to jump through around understanding and knowing what to do. And, 
And I think we've done a pretty good job of, um, of streamlining that, Todd. What's your thought on that? Well, I, I think what we both can agree on that it sure would be nice if a podcaster could just do a single click and get submitted to everyone and still control those listings right. with their accounts. Uh, will we but, get to that point? I don't know. Um, well, some have tried, right, to do well, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and have had, you know, problems with that because each of these platforms wants to own that relationship. So, I and mean, not all of them do. Money. Some of them do, right. Yeah. And then there's others that submit shows in their stead and they they go through all kinds of hoops to get their listing back. You know, I, I re, I've got a few shows from the golden years <laughs> that I had submitted to Apple Podcasts in the early days because individuals didn't have, you know, iTunes accounts at the time. So I, and they asked me, I submitted them. So, I, you know, in my Apple Podcast dashboard, I've got four or five shows that are no longer producing. They're still online that are there that are listing under my username. And I just cringe every time I see that because, you know, that goes all the way back to 2005. And then now we have in the modern era, we have one company that's submitting shows by the thousands over there in their name. And podcasters don't even know that there's metrics over there for them to look at. So they have no way of getting to them either. That's the problem. Right. Unless they go through all kinds of hoops to get that count turned back over to them through Apple, which they can, but it's just a process. So, um, you know, nice to be able to eliminate that and allow podcasters, just new podcasters have one click. So they wouldn't, you know, we already answer enough quite, we, you know, the, the idea that podcaster pulled goes against every grain of a new podcaster. They think podcaster pushed and, um, and we all know that's not the case, but, you know, I made, I made the case, um, in my, um, in my session yesterday was to, not forget that what we have here, matter of fact, someone took a snap of it and put up on Twitter. What we have here in podcasting is very precious. It's a once in a lifetime, I feel opportunity for, you know, Pam, if you, if you think back to when we started this and when podcasting was kicked off and Adam Curry, you know, you know, thank God for Dave Weiner and closure and, and, uh, you know, Adam's vision to, you know, to build a podcatcher and, you know, have a directory and, you know, free us from the man. And then, you know, I, I use some explicit terms during my presentation. It was, you know, in the early days, we all were flipping our middle finger at the man because at this point, no longer could they control who got access to what channels and we had our own channel. So I think what we have to continue to think about is, you know, what we, what was, what happened in 2004 was a true evolution and we need to re be reminded often that it's precious and not allow anyone to take that away from us. Well, and Todd, let's, let's remind ourselves who the man was that we were referring to. <laughs> right. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the man is involved in this medium now. Right. Well, it At wasn't very, just it very just, deep level, but it wasn't just radio, Rob. It was, it was Microsoft and the Xbox. It was, you know, everyone had hurdles to get into any type of media platform at that time. Right. There was no, you know, you had to, you know, to someone and probably write a check. You know, as one guy told me, cause I thought it'd be a cool idea to put podcast on a, you know, how those got those audio stations on cable, mm -hmm. you know, you go to channel 862 and you can listen to uh cool jazz. 
Well, I thought Channel 863 would be cool to have this podcast loop going on. You know, in my naivety, I went to a conference and the guy told me, yeah, 10, 10 years and $10 million and maybe, maybe we'll get you on one channel. You know, so, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I don't need you anymore. I don't, you know, what was I even thinking to begin with? So the man just wasn't the radio. Well, yeah, I think it was around, around control. And this, this medium was really a, I think, a fallout pretty significantly from what happened around Napster. Uh, I think Napster created this, this revolution of a culture of digital media distribution that, that just kind of rattled um, everything, uh, all, all the institutions that have been established around control of access to content. It basically broke all that. And, and, and podcasting fell out of that. And, um, <clears throat> and it continues to be a revolution um, in this, and it, it's impacting radio now. Um, so the revolution continues. And we just all have to keep that in mind that as we move down this path, uh, the independent podcaster is what built this medium. And the independent podcaster continues to dominate this medium. Pamela, you know, you were, you were with us in the beginning. What was your, what was your take on what I just said about it being freeing and an evolution? What did it mean for you and your team? Uh Oh, did we lose her? Sounds like, sounds like the, the audio is not coming in now. Sorry. I was coughing. I muted. I uh-huh, that's okay. to unmute. This, if you've ever watched me live, <laughs> this is an ongoing problem that I have. Everyone needs one defect. Mine is forgetting to unmute after correctly muting to cough. At least you have a cough button. I don't have one, so that's good. Oh, no. <laughs> I have a turn uh, my head. Go ahead. So, so what I was saying is I think we have to also remember the revolution in hardware that was going on. Uh, back in 2005 was when the iRiver was coming out. It was a single AA battery. We were getting USB drives for the first time. It combined all of this technology into one. And suddenly we went from the awkwardness of a Walkman, even if it was a CD version, you're not fitting any of that in your pocket, to having a small device and... Music still sounded really, really bad, but spoken word didn't. And so you have all of these people who can suddenly, there's an eye river. I I have the gray version of that in my closet. And and so suddenly all of us are getting these eye river devices and early smartphones are starting to be able to hold MP3s. And you see this takeoff with audiobooks, you see this takeoff with podcasts pretty much all at the same time as spoken word is like, I sound great there. And we were able to go places with people that it was just too awkward to take us before. Mm-hmm. So there's this combination of the RSS came into being in October of 2004. It's this, the iRiver starts to become cheap enough that anyone can own one. USB drives are becoming ubiquitous. All of these things coming together at once gave us this ready median and 
yes, Napster, LimeWire, all of these other music download things were there getting people used to the idea of let's download the files for yourself. Let's build this collection of MP3s. Mm-hmm. But audio spoken word is what sounded best on the go. You know, and, and I laugh. I keep this here as a reminder. And it, it was on the shelf behind me. And when you mentioned I turned around and grabbed it, it's it got a whopping 256 megs of storage. I think at the time I could have about one day's worth of listening on this. I could have three or four shows is what I could squeeze on it if someone was encoding it like 32 kilobits per second or something. And I was able to take them. It was remarkable. And people just laugh at this now. But to think that I took this to my car every day and plug this little jack into my rudimentary ability to put it in my car stereo with a cassette deck that was, yes, you know, and this is how I listened to podcast in the car to begin with, because we didn't have the, all the other devices and, you know, people say, Oh, you guys are just, OG. you know, quit talking about the old days. Well, what it really has led to and what we put a foothold in was the ability to, um, give anyone a voice. And, um, I sat through a diversity session at Dragon Con. I just sat in the back of the room and kept my mouth shut. And sometimes it's best just to listen and hear what people are really truly saying. And, you know, what it made me kind of recheck myself a little bit in understanding that, number one, we're giving podcasting gives women um, a safe place to do podcast. And, and if they're not doing video, it's, there's some anonymity to doing the show. Number two, it gives people of color the ability to, um, to share information where they may have uh, not gotten any type of coverage whatsoever in, in the news. And one example was that, uh, a, a lady said that they were uh, protesting and the news media showed up and it was, a uh, um, people of color, a demonstration issue, and who did the news person go talk to? The, the single white person that was standing off the side. And instead of going and talking to someone that was actually had, and, and so she's like, you know, we can't even get the mainstream media to, so podcasting has given them the voice. I heard at, um, um, at a uh, mid Atlantic podcast conference, I heard a, um, a true activist in New Jersey who, um, they're doing stuff now on, uh, on podcasts cause no one else will listen to them. Uh, so it gives people a voice that, um, that do not have a voice and allows them to get their message out. And the best part is they can't be censored and they, you know, even the diversity, um, session that I went to at dragon con, they talked about um, Facebook putting them in Facebook jail. So in be, and being uh, community guidelines standards put against them. So we hear about these stories about people in the news and mainstream media today talking, well, I mean censored. And usually here it's about some far right group or some right or conservative. It doesn't even far right, just a conservative group. They're saying we're being censored. But you never hear, you know, that's to me, I was like, whoa, you've got uh a diversity group that is saying I'm being censored and are we, are we hearing about that in mainstream media? No, it's not being covered. Um, but then in this a conference, I'm hearing this, these same types of things. And to me, it just makes me understand if you have your doc, it reinforces if we have, your, if you have your own com, you have your control of your RSS feed. Um, no one can take you off the air. You, and, you know, it's, it's, 
you can be on and you can get your message out. Um, now, that's not to say everyone's going to listen, but at least you have the ability to, to do so. And if Facebook or YouTube or someone else deplatforms you, so what? You are still, you know, you are still have ability to, to reach the people that you want to reach. So I, it's building, it's, it's building community is what it is really at the core of what this is and what's happening with all this stuff too, is that those groups, um, can share information and come together. I mean, I think it's an excuse for, for a lot of, um, groups to, to come together. I, I, I've been involved in podcasts, uh, where the community and Pamela, you probably experienced this too. The community knows each other. Uh, and have built friendships through the podcast. And that is something that uh, is a whole different kind of dynamic that I don't know that a lot of podcasters understand and um, and kind of play into is the the relationships that can happen from uh, within listeners. And that's actually one advantage of doing a live show is that you do expose um, – listeners to the broader audience. Um, and that's, that's, that's a magical thing that happens in a, in a live podcast. But, you know, if you have a common area that people can, can congregate around your show and talk about important topics, it can be a, a, a medium that's so much different than any other medium that's out there. And it's a safe medium, um, to some degree, as long as you don't attract in people that are that are trolls into that, that community discussion, though that does happen, unfortunately. Well, it, I, I think we have to remember we have the ability to eject trolls when we own our own right. communities. And so by building really good moderation teams, right. we can create places where I, I know the first, I think it was four years I was podcasting, I never used my photo on anything. I had a cartoon avatar uh, Fraser had a cartoon avatar. And so we were these voices that went to bed with people each night as they listened to our shows, mm -hmm. as they drowsed sure. out. And I think every podcaster has probably had that person come up to them and say, oh, my God, I fall asleep to you every night. And you're not sure how to feel about that. But I think yeah. it, it's something we need to be proud of because it means that we are being taken into people's safe spaces we can create a place for ourselves where we can put up as much or as little of our own identity as we want. And through our websites, we can build forums, we can build discords, we can build slacks, whatever your technology of the moment is, where all mm -hmm. these people can come together. And more and more, you're starting to see meetups, get togethers, these Moments when podcasters and their fandom are getting together. Some shows are even going on the road and doing road shows. And they're just indie podcasts that want a road trip and make it a podcasting experience. You know, Pamela, I wanted to ask you this question. And I wish you would have been available when we did our um, event at Dragon Con where we had uh, podcasters or potential podcasters pitching show ideas. And there was a young lady there that wanted to talk about um, her transition moving to, I believe it was Atlanta and her, um, you know, her challenges in dating. And she was going to start putting herself out there 
in a way that um, I had to uh, caution her. I I Mm -hmm. said, listen, I said, you know, if if you're going to do this, um, you have to decide up front, you know, where your comfort level is and how much you share. And if you're not creating a persona, if you're going to use your real name, I says, because, you know, and I, I used a pretty negative term that, well, I'll say that there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, well, let's just put it, there's a lot of idiots out there, um, in, yeah. in worse words. So, you know, I was, I told her that and I, but I think we, I think we have to remind people and it doesn't, it's not just women, but men too, that if you're going to be out there and you're going to be putting yourself out there and especially talking about vulnerable topics, that's just to me, I, I get a little nervous for those, for those individuals. Well, even discussing astronomy, sometimes I've, I've kind of wished I didn't have my own voice out there because you state an opinion about almost anything and someone's going to get mad at you. Right. And, and so we have to draw those lines for ourselves and figure out, am I a username? Am I my own name? Do I have my photo out there? And it's important that there are some people who are far enough along in their career, secure enough in their own safety, that they can be out there by name to serve as role models and to say, here is the road I have fledged. And dear young person who is starting with such great enthusiasm, username, be safe behind a username. And it's in having the senior role models that I think our current generation can really benefit we broke ground in this field more than 10 years ago. We've made every single mistake. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. And so now, now that we've made every single mistake and we've accidentally uh, registered websites under our home address and we've <laughs> uh, made the mistake, uh, I, every mistake that can be made has been made already let's just be out there and be honest and say the things that we've done wrong and be those lessons learned for these new people coming up and new people coming up, protect your identity until you decide that being a podcaster is what you want your identity to be for the rest of your life. Because mm-hmm. once your face and name are out there, all your audios on the internet archive it's not going away. Right. Just know if what you're putting out now you want to be associated with when you're in your 40s, your 60s, your 90s. You know, I talk you about... Would, go ahead, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I... Go ahead. I, I, I talk about being in a... I, I was talking to my audience and this was, my God, this is a long time ago. Don't even know what year. Can't remember. I was talking, well, I'm going to a certain town. I'll be in that certain town for the next three or four days. I think I was still in the Navy. Maybe it was early on. And uh, a fan tracked me down in my hotel at three o'clock in the morning and knocked on my hotel room door. And um, I was dumbfounded. And it wasn't a guy, it was a woman. And um, it just completely like, this is not appropriate. (laughs) You know, you're three o'clock in the morning, this is is not cool. And um, it it was a situation where it, it it made me even back then go, whoa. So I, from that point forward, there was even times that, and I didn't say what hotel I was in. They found which hotel I was in. 
And so I, I now I'm a little bit more careful in sometimes if I'm in a conference, people know where I'm going to be at, but in, 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 we don't really run into a lot of podcasters, stalking podcasters. So I go to a lot of podcasting events, but um, I think that there's, with all the stuff that's going on today with uh, live streaming and doxing and all this stuff, you know, where you're doing your live show from, if you, if you do go live and your face is, you know, then you have to be, you know, all those things have to be taken into consideration um, because you just never know. You know, I've had pizzas delivered to my house. People, you know, ordered me pizzas and ha ha ha, you know, the pizza delivery guy comes during the podcast. But um, again, it's just learning. And this is why even now I'm not really publicly, um, Publish it. People can figure it out if they really work hard at it. Where this new studio's at, but I'm not like advertising the address whatsoever. Um, and I've made the front of the studio nondescript so that people just can't look in and figure out. Oh, this is where the Geek New Central Studio's at, or New Media Show Studio is. And it's basically <laughs> it's from those lessons learned from all those years of you know the weird stuff happening. And we have, have to remember, though, oh. at the same time, in general, people are good. Yes. Right. Uh, Amanda Palmer is is a role model of mine, uh, which is awkward because we're about the same. In fact, she's younger than I am. Uh, we we're both living in Boston at the same time, and I caught on to her career very early on. And she's someone who really rose to fame as a musician by building a community and trusting her community to the point of saying – hey, I'm going on tour, I'm going to be staying in this city, can I crash at anyone's place? And with with Astronomy Cast and what I do professionally with CosmoQuest, which is a platform that engages people in helping us deal with large data problems in space data, we've learned to reach out and say, hey, can you help us? And I've had our mods just come crash at my house when we were running big events. Mm -hmm. I have trusted people who earned my trust over the internet. Right. But for every bad experience, and I, I'll admit openly, I take someone who's large with multiple black belts <laughs> with me to many of the events that I go to just so that I feel safe. I have been recognized and made to feel slightly creeped out at all manner of random places, including airports that I just wasn't expecting. But for every one of those experiences that left me just kind of not wanting to be on the internet for a while, there have been many more experiences of someone saying, hey, how can I help? And right. coming through and really doing amazing things to support our shows and right. we have to trust as much as we have to be afraid. So, so it's this take care of yourself. Don't right. purposefully put yourself physically at risk, but also trust people and amazing mm -hmm. things can happen. I, I heard an interview from Paul McCartney and he said that in the early days, people would come up to the house where they had the studio and they would just let them in to come and listen to the recording. I was just like, what? <laughs> you know, it, to me, it's just like you hear you have this this legend in music and, you know, the, the, the members of that band are just, you know, no one is more iconic. And they were letting just people up the street come into their recording sessions. That just kind of like, wow, that blew me away. But it was a different time. You know, 
<laughs> well, it was back in the free love time. That, that's right. That's there, right. There was a, a lot of kumbaya going on Can you, uh, back well, in those days. And no one was going to tweet the location of their studio. Right. And imagine today right. you you are hanging out in a pub that you happen to play a lot. And you're like, mates, I'll be recording whenever they were going to be recording. And only the people from the bar and their friends are going to show up. Nowadays, right. you do the same thing. A few people tweeted, and then you end up with 10,000 people right. trying to get in. But can you imagine the, the, the opportunity to go in and set on a recording session? <laughs> well, you're just like, yeah. you're part of, that's just as a story you carry for life. But anyway, I thought, I thought I'd throw that out there because I, I was just astounded when I, when I heard it. <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, thought, go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. Uh, my thought on the whole topic is that I I agree with Pamela uh, around the topic of, of for every one bad experience, which I, I have to say, and I, maybe I've been really lucky, but I, I haven't had any bad experiences um, with being being out there and being being visible on, on the internet for the, the 20 years that I've been doing this. I mean, I have to say I've been, I don't know if I've been really lucky or if I'm just a big guy that that nobody wants to bother, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's always been positive for me. I've always put my phone number out on my websites. I've always, um, I, I don't overtly put my address out or anything like that, but, you know, always to get a hold of me, always where I'm going to be, you know, sure you need to be careful of that kind of stuff. But, but I also think that the, the positive aspects of this so far outweighs any negative. I mean, sure. I'll get a call occasionally from somebody from, you know, from um, Singapore or from some other country that's trying to reach out to me for something, and my phone rings at two in the morning. But you know, that's that's rare. So right. you know, and even when that happens, it's not necessarily a horrible experience. It's just you know, the person didn't realize you know the time zone difference. Um, What's the most amazing experience of completely unexpected mail or phone call or thing like that that you've experienced? Oh, you know, I, it's too many for me. It's too many to mention. It's being grabbed in the airport. It's uh, being sent uh, when my dad died, getting like 3000 emails from my audience messages of condolences. It's, mm -hmm. it, it just, I mean, it just, it's too many to really mention the thank yous. Uh, right. When my mom was doing her show, we had gotten, and we only did like 30 episodes of that. That was during her recovery period after my dad died, people calling us and or leaving us messages saying, you saved my life. I was going to kill myself. You know, it, it ran the whole, it's run the whole gamut. And I think most podcasters, because the way the shows are so intimate, I, I think we should, ex I think that's just expected. And, you know, the tech show, I'm not going to like, I don't think I'm going to affect someone psychologically but it but i may encourage someone to do a podcast you know that there's all it's it's it runs the full gamut it's and that's why i call my at least and we probably should call this audience too a family but and i think a podcast family needs to are as a community we need to grow as a community of podcasters as well but the um you know i call my uh geek central folks to the ohana and it's a hawaiian word for family so it's because they are, they're, they're part of, they know as much about me. Well, when we go to meets, they know me more than I know me or, well, that doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean? 
But well, Todd, uh, you're, you're bringing up an excellent point. It's basically families ahead. all the way down. It's my show's family, your show's family. Then we have our collective as podcasters family. Um, mm-hmm. Over my shoulder, you can make out a teddy bear in the bookcase. And on his head is um, a hat that came to me from PJ, PG Holyfield, who is a podcaster who passed away a number of years ago. And when his family needed help taking care of him those last few days, it was all of his fellow podcasters that showed up to help take care of him. We take care of each other. We support each other. We mentor the babies. And um, we share the good news between each other, helping to grow each other's audiences. And I can't think of any other form of media where we so fully recognize that if your audience grows, that's more people who are on the podcasts who might be listening to me because none of us produces enough content to completely fill someone's hunger for this content. So let's just grow the whole community. Rob. And it's all about community at the end of the day. I mean, I think it's as much about giving of yourself to others. Uh, and I, I know that that's, what's built my, my career or my experience in the podcasting space is, is, um, that connection with um, other people in the podcasting space and, and being open and willing and sharing and and accepting of, of new people in this medium too. I th- it, 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 at the end of the day, it is all about us bonding with our communities and bonding with each other and, and, and supporting each other in this process because it, it, it can be difficult to create a podcast and, it, and it's not an easy process. And I think one of the things that I've started to think a lot more about um, my, myself is helping people understand the psychology of podcasting. And, and we're, we're definitely diving into that right now around trying to understand how to position your thinking in your mind uh, when you're doing a podcast to really connect with people and not as a manipulation, but to, to really understand what the needs are of you as a podcaster and then also the needs of your listeners from a psychological perspective and really understand how powerful and, and how you need to take a lot of responsibility for that relationship. And I think it goes even at times deeper. I've got a photo here and if Sam, if you're watching, I'm going to embarrass you. So this is, uh, and this, you can tell it's taken a long time ago. I've got hair still. And this is uh, one of uh, Geekness Central fans, super fans. I claim Sam, well, his name is Sam Garcia, and he lives out in Albuquerque, Mexico. And, you know, he's done show album art. His son has actually worked for me at CES, you know, and uh, oftentimes when I'm scratching my head about something going on here, I'll ask the audience for feedback. And, you know, I've got, uh, you know, uh, TriCaster Jack that's out in Dallas, and all kinds, Michael Dare. And, I, you know, when I ask for honest, brutal feedback, well, I tell you, there's this core group of podcasters that will definitely give it to you. <laughs> and oh, yeah. those and those and are long emails. And, and and those are those are true fans that love what you do. And, and it's just right. like they will tell you what that sucked or change that. It doesn't look good, or maybe you should back something up. And um, you know, those it's just like family members do, right? Family members are like what are you doing? You know, or how come you're well, doing they this? They wouldn't say it if they didn't care, Todd, right? <laughs> right, I mean, right, right. That's, it, at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, I've gotten negative feedback and I've gotten positive oh, feedback. Yeah. And, and I, I embrace all of it because 
because oftentimes those people that give me negative feedback are actually repeatedly giving me negative feedback, which means that they're still listening. So and, um, and, that's okay. And Sal from Brooklyn, I haven't heard from you for a while. I want to hear from you. Right. <laughs> Bash me all you want. <laughs> I, I love how we notice these things. I, I had a professor emeritus from where I went to graduate school become one of our listeners. And he, he's very good at sending me corrections, especially to my pronunciation, because if there is a word of French origin, I will find a new and interesting way to completely destroy its pronunciation. <laughs> right, right, there you go. And if I don't hear from him, I have to do a welfare check. Right. Because, like, I know I haven't gone that long without mispronouncing something. That's right. What did I do that was so bad, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and my my audience calls them Toddisms. And there was a long time that I was having uh, trouble with the word semantic. And I was destroying um, uh, Huawei for a while. I was destroying that. Uh, you know, just uh, various words. And they would, I'd get these pointed emails with, and I'm... I'm not an English major. <laughs> I shouldn't be a podcaster um, because I just, that's stuff just comes out of your mouth weird sometimes and sometimes repeatedly and then they yell at you and it's just, it's, you know, for me, I chuckle about it, but I know it drives some people crazy. It's perfectly fine, Todd, I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, that's what we love about you, Todd, is that you're, you're a unique person. Oh, thank you for saying that. So uh, I could really go there. So, so we've talked a lot about the past, um, you know, why the medium has been successful and we've done some reflection today, but where, where are we going from here? Where's, where's the future lead? Any, any ideas? And I didn't really make this to be a past future show, but I think it'd be worth going down that road a little bit. I don't know. Do you want to start Pamela? I'm really intrigued at how, Things like Patreon are going to allow a easier transition from recording in your closet to actually being able to essentially become a full-time professional podcaster. It used to be we'd record for years, uh, setting up that PayPal account, and because PayPal didn't initially have subscription features we'd beg for money and hope to get in enough to replace that cable that decided to die and create all sorts of evil noise in our recordings in the process. Then PayPal subscriptions became a thing and it got a little bit easier. Now with Patreon, we have this way to not only ask our community to support us, but to also give back and say, mm -hmm. if you donate at this level, we will give you this, these extras. Let's, let's go in this together and I'm going to tell you exactly what you're empowering me to do when you support my show. This change in how we monetize what we do, coupled with there being more and more advertising firms that are turning to the big podcast publishers and saying, hey, let's work together to monetize your top podcasts through this combination of easier matchup with advertisers and better ways for our audience to contribute, we can become professionals. We're never going to get rich, 
but mm-hmm. there's a difference between what you're able to do when you don't need to have a paid side hustle because podcasting is your paid side hustle mm-hmm. or you're able to only have to work part time because the rest of your bills are coming from your podcast. Mm-hmm. This is increasing what we have the time to do production wise, what we have the time to do in terms of those nice side things like transcripts. And then we have companies like Trent that are making doing transcripts so much easier. We've seen this revolution in production levels going up and up and up as computational power has gone up, as software abilities have improved and gotten easier to use. And I think we're about to have the self-employed professional podcaster become more of a realistic goal. I hope. I can hope. Yeah, I agree. I think if you look out um, a, a few years and we start to see um, terrific growth in the Android uh, listening side and we start to really fully expand the audience, um, even on the iOS side, uh, which there's still plenty of growing room um, for that, I think it is going to be more possible for more people in this podcast medium to make uh, make a real living um, on this this medium and to become professional podcasters, um, they don't all have to be rolled up into some connection with some big major corporation or something like that. I just think all boats are going to rise. And the other thing that that may happen, and I've been thinking about this for many years, is the concept of local podcasting. Um, I think we've been held back from that as as something that was a potential. Uh, because of the scale that we just hadn't reached the appropriate scale to basically enable really a, effectively large audiences in local markets, but we might see that happen. I'm I'm hopeful that we will see um, audio podcasting be something large in uh, like in cities. You know, like so you have a you know it's been bubbling for a long time, um, but. I think as the scale of this medium grows and I, you know, we're probably never going to get past probably 75 to 80% of the global population listening to podcasts. Um, you know, I mean, obviously if you look globally, it's probably significantly less than that, but here in the U S or any, you know, of the more modern countries. Um, so, but that's still, we have 30% to go, uh, as far as on our overall growth and population, which is basically, doubling the size of the current audience right now. If you go ahead. And we have a better potential to get into a lot of the cellular limited internet access communities. So as you start to work at, look out into the third world, into uh, remote locations in the first world where there just aren't high speed pipes, Mm -hmm. a farmer still can't get HBO go easily. Right. We're there. Audiophiles are that much smaller. If you have to pay by the megabyte, it's one thing to pay for a 15 megabyte audiophile and something completely different to pay for the couple hundred megabytes that's that short YouTube video. We can be there in remote places that the video still can't get. Well, I look at where I'm sleeping. There's no broadband there. Everything there is over wireless. And, And I'm... You know, I'm literally 12 miles, well, not, I'm 12 miles from a town where I'm streaming this from. That's, and it's 12 miles away. I can't get wired internet. 
So, you know, we, we haven't finished wiring America yet, let alone you think about, and I have some broadband there because there's a wireless provider that has a, a service, but it's not fast. But if we think we're still struggling in rural America here, just think about third world. It's even worse. Actually, in some countries, it's actually better because telecom is all they're ever going to have. So they've invested more in telecom. But I think that, um, you know, Google, definitely, I'm very, very excited about the potential there, what they're doing and how they could bring this groundswell of, of people that are seeking specific topical content. Maybe not a show, but maybe an episode. And um, definitely know that there's huge, you know, you, you know, I was pretty blown away. I hadn't been to a Dragon Con before, and you know, we we haven't talked about this, but I'm thinking you've got folks there that sure some of there and they do cosplay for fun, but there are some that take this to a whole nother level. I mean, they get deep into the genre, the characters, the. Right. I mean, they they know this stuff. They probably watch episodes twenty times to figure out every nuance, and then they develop side stories. And I'm like, all these people should be podcasters, you know? Well, it's a very similar um, kind of mental positioning. I mean, that is a a large group of people that are all about um, having an interest in building community. And that's what was very attractive to me about getting involved in Dragon Con last year was I just saw so much similar thought processes to – um, what podcasting is all about. And, and I think it's a perfect kind of um, event for trying to um, basically empower new podcasters to the, to the medium. And Pamela, what's your thought on that? I mean, you're a much longer, um, you know, kind of visitor of Dragon Con than I am. But I mean, how do you see that community fitting with the podcasting space? What's been really amazing to me is watching how the podcasting track at Dragon Con has evolved. Uh, It was one of the very first podcasting tracks to happen at one of these mainstream popular conventions. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of the OG podcasters who are there that showed up initially and they were there just for the podcasting track. But now they're recording their live episodes on the sci-fi track, on the skepticism track, on the science track, because there's so many podcasters that we're not just grouped up as podcasters. We're going out and getting acknowledged as pretty much mainstream so that the podcasting track can be there to focus on, well, this is how you make the podcast. And to see all of this content going from niche and cast off to this tiny room in the Hilton to being embedded throughout the entire convention has been amazing. And at the same time, because we're now embedded all over the convention, there's this feedback loop where people are finding out about the podcast track while they're in a sci-fi track Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and coming over and becoming, well, new listeners to a variety of new shows they wouldn't have heard about except for having that track at the convention. You go to a lot of different events that probably Rob and I would never even think about going to where, where are other growth areas that really maybe haven't thought about doing a podcast and you, you obviously go to symposiums, I'm assuming and that type of stuff, but where are you seeing, where do we need more content? I think we need more educational content, but 
So I, I'd be very careful about saying we need more educational content because fundamentally pretty much all the shows, all the podcasts out there. Yeah, it's true. Are an educational show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's really gotten me is podcasting is being used to create community change in so many different niche areas in the computer science uh, realm. There's coding for good type mm-hmm. shows that get you thinking about what goes into software development other than just code. And a lot of it is you get better software when the people writing the software actually likes each other. And when you pay attention to psychiatry, um, not psychiatry, psychology of how human beings work together. So seeing these crossovers in different professional fields, this is still a new and growing field. And I think what I'm seeing in computer science, there's room for that to exist in pretty much every profession where you get the leaders in the field, the, the evangelists for this technology or that art form going online and talking about what it is they create and interviewing the other people who are out there pushing these fields forward while also creating societal change within these different mm-hmm. disciplines. It's pretty awesome to watch. Right, and it's it's a storytelling medium and that's that's yes. really core to human communications is is storytelling. I mean, if you go back to the early um, very back, you know, when humans started to develop is that's how you know lore and stories and things like that and it's very fundamental to how humans communicate is by telling stories and that's that's really what this medium is all about is telling for most of the time and i've said this for many years uh early on this medium was all about short stories and what we've expanded on over the last 10 10 years is making those stories longer and going into uh, fiction um, but really this, this medium is a reality based storytelling medium. Um, it's, it's fairly new, um, the whole fictional side of this, but that's, no, it's not. That's what, the fictional stuff has been there since day zero. Oh, it's oh, true, it but it's, but it hasn't been as, as widespread as the, as the reality based stuff. And, and I think that we're in a era of expansion much, much larger expansion in the fictional side as we look to the future. The fictional. I, I think the, the fictional actually is one of the ones that had the unfortunate, they got lost when the iTunes directory came out. Right. I think that when, when people would go to the pod books directory mm-hmm. or patio books, patio books right. was an amazing right. resource. iTunes came out and that killed right. the fiction genre in a lot of ways. Right. But yes, it's coming back. I agree with you. It's totally coming back. I had a podcaster complaining to me, said, what can I do? What can I do? Can I reach out to Apple? You know, they killed the K-12 section. I don't know where I belong anymore. And and we were walking through the type of content they were doing, and I really didn't have an answer for him. So I said, you know, we need to let Apple know that you don't have a home anymore with this or restack of the categories in Apple Podcast. And um, I think people, though, and I didn't say this to him at the time, but I think people get hung up on where they are in Apple Podcasts and are worried about their their ranking. I'd, I'd be frank, I'd, I've never really looked at their ranking. I'm more worried about 
building the brand, building the .com, building, you know, driving everyone back to, to mothership, which is, you know, newmediashow.com and geeknewcentral.com. That's where, and of course, when Blueberry and Rob, when you're doing stuff with Libsyn, you're driving them back there. So, um, you know, again, it goes back to that, that uh, mantra is we don't care where they consume long as they consume. I think people get so hung up on Apple podcast. Um, they, they lose uh, the, the, the foresight that, Hey, there's 25 different other places people can consume as well. So don't, don't, don't lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Discoverability with podcasting is where we do suffer compared to things like YouTube, um, any of the video based contents you throw on a YouTube video doesn't take you down the rabbit hole of every single video that person has ever produced, which is what happens when you subscribe to a podcast or click open a podcast. That discoverability of, of YouTube going, aha, you just finished watching this, whatever it was that you finished watching, right, uh, a marching band this. show. This is a recent yeah. rabbit hole problem I ran into. I am now getting suggested every single marching band video <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> And so now I can discover all of them, even if I really don't want to. We don't have a similar way in podcasting to get discovered. And so sometimes the best you can hope for is to end up on that iTunes new and notable or to do what has always been the best thing ever. And that's to contact all your other podcast friends and say, hi, I'm new. Can I please come on? Can you please promote me or just share bumpers around? You know, the... Oh, I'm losing my train of thought here. Oh, the Spotify is, matter of fact, I heard someone complaining about this. Spotify is doing that now. You listen to a podcast that leads you into another podcast and a podcaster got really pissed. He said, I don't want them going to someone else's podcast. I want them to go to another one of my episodes. And I'm like, well, I understand that, but this is the price you pay to be on Spotify. They have decided that they're going to have a YouTube experience on Spotify. And, you know, you could see the flames coming out of the guy's ears, but. Um, but for every one person who gets removed from his feed, he's probably going to get more people bumped right, on. Right, because he's being he's being the roll on show after someone's rolled off another show. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Rob. Yeah. Yes. You know, we haven't even talked about the news. We've stayed in this deep uh, philosophical topics today i'm completely lost what's happened in the news this week <laughs> it's well it's it's been a unique opportunity to explore this with with dr pamela right she's she's been around this medium for a long time and i think she's got a a, a lot of perspective on it um that I, I think is very very similar to ours but it's it's good that we're able to kind of expand on this because i think a lot of new people in the medium I don't know, you know, fully grasp the scope of this spectrum. And I think those that have been around a long time um, do understand this. Um, but I think it's important for us to talk about. It. I don't think that we have gone this deep on this subject on this show pretty much ever. I, I think we dabble in it. But but what's going on in the news? I Always a lot of stuff going on in the news. I see ACAST has moved to iab v2 guidelines but i don't see that they they've moved to iab v2 certification hmm. so they turned off their switch allowing people to change the it's so, just another example i guess it doesn't say certification in the announcement uh, right. that you know companies are starting to to think that if they put out that they're compliant that somehow that's equivalent to certification and most of the media buyers don't know the difference IEB, if you're listening, 
Yeah. So, yeah, right. You know, um, Pamela, I don't, have you even looked at what, followed any of that discussion about the IEB certification? Do you even care? Do you even look at your stats? I, I really do care about my stats because it's the first question anyone asks when I ask if they will please sponsor our show. Uh, so beyond that, though, I haven't looked at what this certification for this new profile is. Uh, I do now want to know what this is since you've mentioned it. Well, you are on a platform that is certified. So Libsyn has just gotten their certification mm -hmm. about a month ago. So yeah. you, you, the numbers you were seeing in your dashboard are IEB Podcast Measurement Guidelines version 2 certified. That is the key word there, not compliant. Certified compliant is actually the official word, but it adds another level of confusion. So really what you're seeing there is what you can tell media buyers that you're on Libsyn and that you have certified stats. So um, as Blueberry as well, we're, we have our stats certified as well. But there is that, a whole spec sheet. Sorry. This implies that there are uncertified stats that are fascinating in the reality. And this reminds me of back in the days when like iTunes would cache our episodes <laughs> and we suddenly had no idea how many people had listened to us because suddenly we got cached. Luckily, this, well, other platforms were caching back then too, like Stitcher and Google yeah. Play has been caching <clears throat> episodes too. So Spotify yeah. is caching. So for some, for some, for others, so we're back to the land of not knowing how many people actually listen to our episodes. In some instances, right. yes. So, so you know, I think yeah. both Libsyn and us are both working to pass through. Uh, there are some hurdles that we have to jump through because. Spotify has very strict requirements for what they are going to, um, what they allow to come through is pass through and it's well, and, more technical. And, right. And, and when I was working for, for Spreaker, I, I, I pushed for Spreaker to be passed through, um, months and months and months ago and we got it done. And it's because of the, the focus of the business, which is around programmatic ad insertion ads, um, you know, the caching of episodes breaks the dynamic ad insertion model uh, because what you've done is you've captured a snapshot of your file and the ability to update that file in Spotify if you're not passed through is, is not possible. So, um, so you're going to capture one ad that's going to be in there for the life of the show on the platform. And that's not how that program is supposed to work. So, so I do do believe that the the days of caching are going to be um, short. Uh, I think most of the platforms are are, are going to move to pass through. Um, like Google Play is eventually, I, I believe, going to get shut down. So that one's going to go away. Stitcher has converted over to pass through, and so we're going to see. I, I I think that the list is winnowing down of those that are caching. And I think that those days are going to go away. Well, we have, uh, we didn't come through the show glitch free. We are, we're not live streaming. We're still on the air, but we are not live streaming at the moment. I'm resetting the transcoder. So hopefully we'll come back up, but okay. that don't matter. The 95 or 99% of the audience is still listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's true because you're still recording. That's right. But yeah. you, the other folks are like, where'd you, where'd they go? So I think the, 
you know, from that standpoint, uh, you know, you can be assured your numbers are pretty good. And when you see that RFP come in, Pamela, that says IEB certification required, you can check that box and say, yes, we're, we're on a certified platform. That is good to know. Yeah. And I really can't tell people enough, always work with a platform that has been around a while, that has built these relationships outwards with all the other companies. They'll take better care of you and help you grow faster. Well, I think it's having the time to build the tools that are appropriate for this medium. You know, that's one of the challenges that a lot of new companies have. They, they, they come in and they look all shiny and, and new, um, but they haven't had the, the years of development behind them to, to really refine those tools and to make them podcaster friendly. Um, and, and I think that's the key takeaway. And I, I agree with you, Pamela. It's um, the platforms that have spent the time to listen to podcasters and understand their needs are the best places to be. Um, it may not be the new cool place to be. Um, but I think in the long term, if you're serious about podcasting, I think those platforms are, are the ones you need to really um, stick with. Right, I'm sitting here just looking at the technical side of stuff, so sorry about that. It's okay. Um, you, you know, we really haven't talked too much. Rob, you haven't given your your uh, opinion of Dragon Con. Uh, what was your – and we've got some upcoming events too that we're attending. Right. Well, I think Dragon Con – was different um, for for me, and I think it was a different different event than last year when I went um, from a, a you know podcasting track because it wasn't a podcasting track this year as opposed to what it was last year. Um, so l- last year it was kind of a digital media podcasting track, where this year it was just a digital media track, and I think it it did create a little bit of a different dynamic. And I I did talk to the the, the organizers about this and. And I think Todd, I included you on that yep. that that email about things that you know we would recommend to them to 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 make that event you know reach its full potential, um, specifically around podcasting. I, I think that the the thought was is that the concept of digital media was a more encompassing concept, um, but but you know I think if you back up and you look at it though. Um, podcasters are using all the digital media tools. So, you know, I think it depends on what's going to attract people to that track. Is it podcasting or is it a generic term like digital media, which a lot of people don't really understand what that really means. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of, but I think overall the event was fantastic. A lot of energy there, you know, um, there was podcasters there like Pamela and, and others that, that were there too. The tracks were really, really interesting and had great conversations. Um, and they were live streamed on Facebook. Um, but that's, and Todd, you and I spent a lot of time um, going to the vendor areas and, and really thinking about what we can do at that event to be able to better reach the 80,000 people that are there with the message of that you can have a podcast and, and come down and, and, um, check out a couple of panel sessions to understand how to do it. And the problem is we didn't really tap into that um, this year from what I, I felt. So I think that there's some strategies that we can do at the event to be able better reach that community. I don't know, Pamela, what's your thoughts on all that? I, I agree completely. There is a whole lot of untapped potential there. 
walking around, uh, I know I was lucky enough to randomly run across uh, Twitch streamers when I was in the art show. Uh, but Twitch isn't the place where a lot of these people should be with the kinds of content they're creating. It's mm -hmm. in podcasts. And in talking to people, I ran across a lot of the fan podcasts. And when you're at a fan run science fiction fantasy convention like Dragon Con, those are the people that we need to meet and find their friends who aren't already podcasting. So mm -hmm. great. Right. I found the people who are doing the Lucifer fan podcast. In the past, I've run across the people who do the Game of Thrones fan podcast. Mm -hmm. It's these fans that are taking the time to organize the different strands of Dragon Con, the Star Wars room, the Star Trek room. There was a ton of stuff this year for uh, 20 years of Farscape. Finding mm -hmm. those people who have this amazing passion, who have this trivia level knowledge of their different things and saying, you know, there's lots of people like you that aren't driven to share their passion and think they're all alone in remembering their love of all of Jim Henson's creativity. Let's go online together. Let's podcast. Let's get what you're so passionate about out to more people and just enjoy each other's company through this amazing medium. I want to be respectful of Dr. Pamela's time. We're already at an hour 30, Rob. Um, mm -hmm. And we made it to 90 minutes. Imagine that. When we're live, we make it to 90. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's normal, Todd. Usually we do go long. Yeah, so. we, we do normally. Right. But right. Um, it's, uh, we, we made it almost through glitch-free, which is good. But there's always something that happens. But uh, Dr. Pamela, where can they, where folks, where can folks reach you? What's the best way to for them to to stay abreast of what you're doing? I am Starstrider on pretty much every social media platform. It is spelled with a Y because mistakes were made with my in my twenties. Um, <laughs> I can be found podcasting on Astronomy Cast the and the Daily Space. So check it out in your favorite podcatcher. Uh, or over on YouTube. Uh, Rob? Well, I can be found on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's on the end. And I do have a website, robgreenlee.com, and I can be reached in email, robg at ellipson.com. So if you want to reach out to me and have a question about something or just uh, drop us an email uh, if, if you have any tips or anything that you see going on in the podcasting space that needs to be talked about on the show or needs to be shared or discussed. We are looking for, you know, topics. So please share. And if you've enjoyed the show, um, I have spent a pile of cash to build this new studio. <laughs> so any, uh, the donate button is uh, available in the show notes. We would definitely appreciate any nickels, dimes or quarters that you may have laying around. And of course, if you want to get connected with the Audimute team at audimute.com for savings, you can go to them direct, but come to me first and let me make the introduction for save you some cash. Uh, you can send me an email at todd at blueberry.com. Of course, uh, that's where you can reach me normally at Geek News on Twitter. And then uh, we'll be next Saturday, we will be at um, uh, Outlier. So I don't know what we're doing. What are we going to do next week, Rob? 
I don't know what we're doing either. I mean, unless we try and do do something. Uh, well, I've got three. I'm in three cities over a week and a half or <laughs> two weeks. So, I mean, I, I have like one day in between each city. So, it's uh, it's going to be a busy time. So, we'll have to coordinate how we can possibly do this maybe from the, the road. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm here Monday through Thursday, then leave for Outlier, then I'm back Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, then I'm in, yeah, so I'm all over the place. So we'll figure it out. We'll get something out. And it may not be video just because both Rob and I's schedules are insane. Um, but yeah. uh, the goal is to uh, be here as often as possible in the new studio, be live. Um, I've got to get the studio down in Blueberry headquarters built so that we could be live when I'm down there on weekends, which I'm going to be quite a bit in the near, in near month or so. So that uh, be a different space, but at least we'll be able to be face to face with each other online. But yeah, I, yeah. I mean, over the next uh, six weeks or so, six to eight <laughs> weeks, uh, there's just a barrage of, of events. You know, the the She Podcasts live event in Atlanta, the radio show in Dallas, um, and the Outlier. Um, here, so there's just a lot of stuff going on right now. This is like the second wave of podcast conferences. <laughs> if you live in Texas, there is going to be a podcasting event in San Antonio in October. And then of course there's the Hollywood, uh, what is that actually called? I'm pulling a digital Hollywood, digital Hollywood event in, in November. It's on November 14th down in, down in Hollywood. I'm, I, I'm going to be moderating a panel down there and on a panel and sponsoring the, the event down there. It's going to, it's got a great lineup of speakers that are coming into that event. So a lot of, Leaders from big media to podcasting companies coming in, coming together on that that, that particular event. It's going to be a, it's called Podcast Forum. That's going on. It's going to have a a whole area that people can come in and sit on chairs and talk and and network with each other. And so it'll be a, a really interesting. And if you'd like us to do this show live at your event, we should talk. But uh, Rob right. and I do this show out of our own back pocket. It's not sponsored by our prospective companies. So keep that in mind. And if we're there, we can do it. But if we're not there, then uh, some, some support will be needed. <laughs> well, I believe that we're going to be doing the show live at Digital Hollywood. Right. So that that's the thing that's on the on the docket. Yeah. And we're trying to get this live at as many events as we can. Because yeah, Todd and I, and I go to a lot of the same events. <laughs> so we've had, uh, you know, we had four or 500 people listen to the show at Podcast Movement. And uh, it's gained some momentum here recently. So... Tell your fellow podcasters about the show and, uh, and and don't forget as podcasters, subscribe, please. Newmediashow.com. All right, everyone. Thanks. We'll see you next time here on the New Media Show. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time. And thanks, Dr. Pamela, Thank for you, being Pamela. on.